The issues that matter most, right here. The Drew Mariani Show. On Relevant Radio. Mahomes flings it. It's there! Hardman! Jackpot! Kansas City! And this was the Andy Reid special. This was the Andy Reid special we talked about. He was saving all day. He's going to fake a motion to go across. And at that moment, he turns and goes back. Hartman, who they didn't have, right? And they win it by three on this touchdown throw. It's the Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Yeah, I don't know whether you caught the game or not. I know some people are really into it. One of the most viewed events of the year on television. A lot of people tune in, of course, for the commercials. And I don't think Taylor Swift heard either. <laughs> I heard that she got over, I think, with a minute of airtime. Doesn't seem like a whole lot, but when you get, you know, when a thirty-second Super Bowl ad is worth seven million dollars, you know, that's fourteen million dollars worth of uh, of view time. Of course, everybody was, you know, in fact, ratings were up because of her in a lot of a lot of these playoff games and things along those lines. So she made it back from her tour. Was there? It was uh, an exciting. Uh, second half for sure. The first half, of course, a little bit slow, but uh, we'll talk about it coming up. Peter Atkinson's going to be stopping by. We'll get his take. More money's wagered on that game than anything else. We're talking billions of dollars. And if you're struggling with addiction, maybe you thought, man, I, I made a mistake and I blew too much money. We'll give you some help. Uh, we're going to help you overcome your addiction and there's uh there's some serious stuff 60 minutes i got to credit them they actually did a, a piece i think it was the week before the super bowl that i saw and uh, they addressed how sports gambling now is huge huge it's even advertised you know during these events but who does it target targets guys young men 18 i think the 35 years of age are the the, the, the the most victimized by it. And believe me, it destroys lives. It has cost men their inheritances, their jobs, their marriages. And if you are finding yourself spiraling, you know, down that vortex, then uh, stay tuned. We'll get into that and a whole lot more here today. So it'll be good. And um, I don't know who you're rooting for, but that one is in the bag. And we'll, <laughs> before you know it, the new year, the new, uh, the new season will be, be upon us. A uh, couple other news stories. There's a lot going on. Of course, a couple hostages have been rescued uh, over in Hamas, et cetera. Uh, I, I, I saw probably three different stories just recently on assisted suicides. It's kind of a bummer to talk about, but I just want to put this on your your radar if we can. Um, there are 19 states in our country that are considering euthanasia laws right now. Do I want to talk about this? No. I do not. I don't want to talk to you about it at all. I feel I have to. And I think that's one of the reasons why you tune into the broadcast. Because you want to look at life you're not going to find anywhere else. And you want a moral light on these issues. Uh, this, is, this, is a, this is a frightening specter. Uh, 19 states in our country that are considering putting on the books euthanasia laws. And it's not just happening in the so-called blue states either. You know, states as varied as Arizona and Tennessee and Virginia, New York, they all have bills that legalize it. In fact, Virginia's bill has made it out of committee. It's going to be taken up in the Senate this week. And let me pause on that for a second. I go back to what I say over and over again. It's so important we put into office men and women that are well-formed in their conscience and in their heart. You know, if you, if you don't have that formation, this is the type of stuff that gets slipped by. Arizona's bill would make it okay for a doctor to order the withholding of food and water. 
based on a living will, even if the patient changes his mind or her mind. You imagine that? I'm sorry. Changed your mind? Too bad. I got this document here. We're going to starve you. We're going to dehydrate you to death. You talk about something evil, right? Something macabre. That is unbelievable. Wesley Smith, who's been a, a, a regular on this show, and he's a very gifted writer, um, he has reported for National Review that states like Oregon and Colorado, something sinister is coming your way. Um, those two states, by the way, Oregon and Colorado, you probably know, it's already been legalized. Um, guess what they're thinking of doing now? It's never enough, right? It's never enough to make abortion safe, you know, legal and rare. You know, it's it's no longer, you know, it's never been safe. Um, of course, it was legal, but it's not rare, right? It's it's never enough to say, hey, we just want to be married and have the same rights as you. Because then something else happens. All of a sudden, photographers and, and florists and everybody else are being sued because, and they're being targeted as a result of that because people want their way justified. The transgender movement, we see what's happening there. Well, Oregon and Colorado, we, we want peaceful death, you know? It's, it's death with mercy. It's death with dignity. I mean, these are the things you used to hear, right? Well, guess what they're thinking of doing? It's never enough just to get it. Now they want to drop their residency requirements. So you no longer have to be a resident of Oregon or Colorado. That was kind of the stipulation. Well, people of our state, right? Right now, you've got to be a resident of whatever state you want to kill yourself and you know, for a certain period of time before you can get the the lethal prescription. But Oregon and Vermont have already dispensed with that requirement. Colorado's now looking to do the same thing. And Wesley Smith was warning that some states allow doctors to prescribe over Zoom connections. So just connect to them on Zoom, tell them how depressed you are, how life's not worth living, and next thing you know, you get your deadly cocktail. So you don't have to be in the state or even see a doctor in person. Shouldn't we be trying to save the life and getting that person help? rather than, than euthanizing them. This is all part of the ideology that death is better than any kind of suffering. And they're going to push it as far as they can. And it's not just us. Um, Canada, of course, we've been following them and we've had the EPCC Center on many, many times here. Canada's made the MAID program. Um, wait to hear what they're doing. Al Jazeera here. I'd rather me tell you, I'll let Al Jazeera unpack it for you. In just a few years, Canada has gone from banning euthanasia to being one of the most permissive countries in the world for those seeking it. It's the same government that's giving out MAID that is actually denying people services in a socialized universal healthcare system. I don't actually care enough about you to fix your poverty or try to find ways to advocate for you, but I can end your life. When you think of physician-assisted suicide, you probably picture a cancer patient nearing the end of their life. And that's how it started when Canada legalized in 2016. But in 2021, it was broadened out to include other people who were sick or disabled, but not in immediate risk of dying. Yeah, it's Canada. Uh, Ecuador is another country. I mean, I can go through the litany of them. Uh, let, let's pray that this culture of death, right, that this this deadly mentality that seems so pervasive, not just in our country, but the world over. And it, it's rooted from, you know, the evil one. It's, it's fundamentally, it's, it's evil. Uh, we have to pray that it gets disengaged. Um, if you are looking for good information against assisted suicide, the Archdiocese of Edmonton, Alberta, speaking of Canada, has got a, a guide, uh, 
against it. It's called Hope and Dignity, a Catholic Response to Euthanasia and Assisted Suicide. And um, I don't know whether we put up a link on our Facebook page or not. We'll try to go ahead and do that. I know one of my producers wanted us to do that. So you go to the Drew Mariani show page and you'll find it there. Hey, I heard Mary Graham talking about something a little bit earlier. And I just want to touch on this. Um, Joel Osteen, right? Protestant preacher out of Houston, has a huge television apostle, very hopeful message for a lot of people. Um, somebody walked into his church, it's this mega church with a gun, and they opened fired. Two people were injured. There was a man and a five-year-old child. Suspect was ultimately killed by two security guards. I think they were off-duty police policemen, but the... Um, or they serve the security there. But the uh, the child is reported to be in serious condition. So say a prayer for that child, too. Imagine going to a religious service and getting shot. I mean, I, it's, it's bizarre. Initial reporting says the suspect was a woman in a trench coat. But according to Todd Starnes, uh, I think her name was Janice Escalante, was really Jeffrey Escalante, uh, a man who claimed to be this woman. So um, makes more than a dozen of these shootings, including the one at the Covenant Christian School in Nashville. So just keeping our finger on the pulse of that, our heart goes out to uh, to Joel and his whole community. I, do you remember hearing, one final story here, and I, I do want to change gears here. Yeah, you know, gosh, we talked about Baphomet, right? We've talked about the guy who beheaded the statue. Was it Idaho, I think it was, that we talked about last week? Do you, do you remember hearing about a strange figure being placed on top of a building in New York last year? Remember that? It was so weird. It was like a, it was an eight foot tall naked female figure with braids and they were shaped like a goat's horn. Yeah. It's like a bunch of octo arms. Arms were like tentacles, right? Um, the the statue is called Witness and it was designed to honor, check this out. It goes with everything we've been talking about, both abortion and the late Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And since it has, I guess, a lace collar like the one Ginsburg used to wear, uh, the statue's headed right now to the University of Houston to honor Ginsburg and support abortion. How do we get so lost? How do we get so confused? How do we think this is good? Huh? How did that happen? Written on the sculpture, on the sculpture, written on the uh, sculpture is a word. And uh, the word is hava. It means Eve in Hebrew and Arabic. And the school's art curator called that significant since Eve was the first lawbreaker. And Maggie, you remember, um, what was it last week? We played Amazon Prime. They're coming out with a new show. Ugh, Didn't yeah. they do the same thing Don't with Lilith? Me. I mean, they they, yeah. they they took the mother of, of humanity, did away with her, and we see them being replaced with these well, well, it's false teaching, right? This, this heresy, this, these demonic entities. So. Yeah, and I saw these pictures last night of one of Taylor Swift's um, high, highly respected guests that was there with her. Yep. Someone I I don't know her. Someone named Ice Spice, and she was doing satanic hand symbols and was like wearing an upside down cross and wearing a Balenciaga outfit. And they're like, they're not even trying to hide it anymore. You know, I've got to do a piece. And I don't want to get too much into it. I'm not done researching yet, but there are some people raising questions. Somebody sent me an, an email. I couldn't watch it because my audio was off on it. It was Anton LaVey's son. It was a LaVey. I forget, Adam LaVey? I don't know what, what name he, he had. 
Um, I couldn't see it, but people were raising the question, did Taylor Swift make a deal with the devil? And I, look, again, oh, there's a lot of that stuff. Yeah. People have been asking if she uh, has been casting spells on, on her music. Like there's been a lot of like witchy things. Yeah, we talked things. about her tour. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Father so, Dan Rehill was like, I would not go to that concert. Maybe we should get Rehill on to talk about that. I think yeah. that's really interesting stuff. I mean, I've been kind of gathering a lot of these different stories I've been seeing. But I thought, oh, really? You know, I mean, she's, maybe this week we'll dive into it. Maybe I'll find a window in the show and we can go ahead and, and unpack all that for you. So on the other side of all that, Harrison Butker, right? John Morales, my colleague here at Relevant Radio, had an opportunity to do an interview with him last year. Um, and he kicked his way into the Super Bowl record books last night. Um, he won the Super Bowl last year with the game-winning kick. And I, and I think about the the San Francisco 49ers loss Came down to a kick, right? And missed an extra point. That would have changed the dynamic of that entire game. But Bucker's cool. He he talked about how he was raised Catholic. And like many others, he left the practice of the faith. And it was a friend of his at Georgia Tech who invited him back. And he had a very powerful experience while going to confession. Uh, his scapula came out last year during the kick. And somebody, I think John, told me that he actually went to a monastery. Instead of going to Disney World to celebrate, he went to a monastery to pray. Pretty cool. Here's a little bit of audio from uh, John Morales' conversation with him last year. This is Harrison Butker. I started wearing the scapular in college, and then I would take it off for games, though. I would never wear it, you know, when I was showering, didn't wear it for the games, didn't wear it throughout my entire NFL career until this season. And the scapular never popped out at all, all season, except for the biggest kick of my career, the game-winning Super Bowl kick. It popped out, and... I just think that was such a, a great witness to Our Lady, and I think she wanted to be center stage, and she wanted everyone to understand her role in our salvation, that she's here to help us, that she's here to lead us to Christ. And the brown scapular is this amazing aid that she's handed down to us that I think we should all take advantage of and lean on her to help us be with our Lord forever. Amen to that. Love it. Love it, love it. Congratulations again, the Kansas City Chief and Chiefs and all their fans. Speaking of that football game, there was a friendly competition, a wager, if you would, between two bishops. The Kansas City Chiefs, of course, defeated San Fran in overtime last night, but thanks to a tradition kept for decades among Catholic bishops, the Chiefs weren't the only winners. A group of crises pregnancy centers won two, all because of a friendly bet between Archbishop Salvatore Cordiglione of San Francisco and, and uh, the Bishop of uh, Kansas City, St. Joseph. Um, Bishop James uh, Johnston Jr. It made me think about gambling in general. I've often shared with you, there's wedge, there's 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 friendly wagers. There's nothing wrong with that at all. I've I've shared in the past about my father's own compulsion to gambling, and a lot of people have it. I, I think if you have a compulsive personality, you got to really be careful with this stuff. Yesterday Super Bowl, the number I saw, I, I think I, I want to say sixty eight million, but one of the numbers I saw was sixty seven million. I'll go with the lower. They estimated sixty seven million people bet on the game itself and there were all kinds of different bets too they have a thing a thing called prop bets i mean you could bet on what color gatorade was going to be dumped on the winning coach right who you know the, the coin toss how long the halftime show was going to be would taylor swift show up would uh travis kelsey propose to i mean you they would bet on anything those are called prop bets. And, you know, not just 2-1, but who was going to lose, how wide the point spread would be, et cetera, right? Would Taylor Smith make it back from, from, from Tokyo? 
yeah. So there was I, a lot of people, you know, wagered for fun. There's block pulls and things like that. And, and those weren't just bets made between, you know, friends and coworkers. Um, a lot of those bets are being placed now in professional gambling joints online. And it's happening because of a Supreme Court ruling that said that state laws against sports gambling was was uh, unconstitutional. So the best estimates are that about 20 million people have gambling problems. 20 million people. And sports gambling is big business, and they use AI and all sorts of technology to figure out what the right bet should be and wh- why you bet and when you bet. And it's, it's, it's a whole science behind it. So I thought we'd talk about it today because you might have lost some money yesterday. And I've invited Scott Weeman, who is the founder of of Catholic in Recovery. It's a nonprofit organization that serves those suffering from addictions, from unhealthy attachments. And it's not just gambling. You know, it could be everything from drug and alcohol addiction to pornography to whatever. And you can find them. I, they're a great group. I recently uh, stumbled on them. We had a priest on the air not too long ago by, by the name of Father Charlie Becker who put them on our radar. The group, again, Catholic in Recovery, and that's their website too, catholicinrecovery.com. Scott, good to have you with us today. Good afternoon. Yeah, Drew, it's a pleasure to join you. Um, yeah, you. really grateful to join the show today. Yeah, I'm delighted. Hey, thank you for your good work. I've, I've only recently this year learned about what you're doing, but uh, super impressed. I know you're bearing a lot of good fruit, and I hope anyone struggling with any sort of addiction will check out your group, Catholic in in, uh, in Recovery. Uh, let's talk gambling first, if, if we could. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and let's talk addiction. I think there's a certain personality type that's more susceptible to getting addicted, whether it's gambling or alcohol or things along those lines. I know there's genetic predispositions to alcohol, but what is it about the the uh, the psyche or the personality type that makes some people more vulnerable than others? Like, I don't really have a compulsive uh, personality. Uh, otherwise, I'd probably be a compulsive gambler right now. Yeah. Yeah, that's, um, you know, we look at gambling, and I appreciate you just drawing our attention to the statistics uh, as well. 67 or 68 million people betting on the Super Bowl yesterday. I saw like $23 billion being wagered on the game. And um, as we discussed addictions, compulsions, or unhealthy attachments, you see really many of them different symptoms of the same spiritual malady. It's us looking for uh, contentment or salvation perhaps in something that is not of God. That becomes an idol. And, uh, you know, there are some psychological and some other definitions of addiction that include building a tolerance and needing needing, uh, more of the uh, either the behavior or the substance to achieve the same results. But yeah, gambling is no different. It affects individuals on a spiritual level, also has great family consequences. It was perhaps one of the saddest addictions to see and how it impacts the family. And um, I see it not too different from the way that we might reach for alcohol, drugs, food, lust, pornography to fulfill us or cope with whatever we're going through. You know, is there a difference in these types of addictions? You know, I mean, gambling is, you know, is it different than alcohol or to porn addiction or to something else? They all have a kind of a thread that runs through them. How do you see that? Yeah, I would say that there are nuanced differences between different types of addictions whether it's to a behavior or a substance, um, whereas there are, I would say that the similarities are greater than the differences, however. In each, you'll find isolation. We become more isolated in our behavior, largely as a result of the behavior. It's usually in, a, in some kind of response to fear or resentment. 
there is a great deal, great deal of shame involved in different types of addictions. However, there are yeah, some different manifestations. Certainly, um, a family impacted by gambling addiction is going to have some economic hardships as a result. That will still be seen in other addictions as well, but perhaps not as blatantly. Um, but again, largely different, different symptoms of the same spiritual malady. It's not too uncommon for someone to get sober from one addictive behavior or substance, but find their solution in another addictive behavior or substance, which seems to uh, hit the same reward centers in our brains. And as perhaps um, St. Augustine would say, attempts to fill this God-shaped hole in our heart. Yeah. And, and, you know, this is kind of an unfair question. Who's more susceptible? I know when it comes to gambling, one of the stats I saw was, I think it was 18 to 25-year-old men um, tend to get hooked the, the most. And I don't know whether that's the brain's not completely developing. I know alcohol and drug addictions, you know, play with dopamine and a whole litany of other things in the brain, porn as well. Um, are, are, are there specific groups of into, I know it's not just male, not just female either. It hits everybody, but is there a special, a particular demographic that's a little bit more vulnerable, and what can we do to protect them? Yeah, I think that's a good question because, as you mentioned before, too, the you know it might not be uncommon for someone, even bishops, to share a friendly wager yeah. on a game or an event or something like that. And kind of like alcohol, you know, moderate consumption of alcohol is in itself not a bad thing. The substance is not the issue. It's our attachment to it. And so, you know, I think that there are certainly many people who either, you know, there are, have experiences in life that lead them to seek some external substances or behaviors in order to find fulfillment. Um, I think that as uh, we age and grow, we, our experience oftentimes leads us to play out the tape as it, turns, as it comes to making decisions for ourselves. So younger people might be a bit more compulsive, but still, if that compulsive behavior becomes a pattern in early life or in early adulthood, it takes uh, a great spiritual awakening or a miracle in order for that to, uh, for new habits to be developed. Just because we age doesn't mean we uh, get wiser, perhaps. We might just become more rooted in, in bad, unhealthy patterns and behaviors. So we only have a few minutes. I mean, when it comes to drugs, alcohol, gambling, any of these things, I know, I know how terrible people feel today after they've lost money they shouldn't have lost or how terrible the alcoholic feels after he gave in to the temptation again or the man who wants to find himself or woman free from constantly going back and struggling with impurity and dealing with, you know, whatever his proclivity or she, her proclivity may be with porn. Um what can somebody do right now that's listening has an issue in one of these areas? What's the first step to getting it resolved and traversing down that path to freedom? Yeah. So I would suggest first step, if you have, if you're finding yourself in a hopeless place today, perhaps in the low lows of gambling, the rock bottom with a gambling addiction are among the darkest of rock bottoms from other addictions, all remove us from the sunlight of God's spirit. But um, I would say, so we, we discussed some risk factors, might be um, negative experiences in the past, perhaps some hardships that we're facing now, which are making us desperate to find a cheap solution, like gambling, or we might resort to alcohol or drugs or lust for those things. And so finding some protective factors in our lives can be helpful. Just like pornography and marijuana addiction, where barriers in our culture, barriers to entry have been lowered, it's becoming legal in most states, the... Um, the stigma around it has been has been lessened. 
uh, we need to create our own protective factors. That means maintaining community. If you're struggling with an addiction, gambling or otherwise, find help today. The first step should be towards finding a community of people who can help overcome the addiction or the attachment. Catholic in Recovery is one source. There are a variety of other secular anonymous groups, such as Gamblers Anonymous, that can be incredibly helpful and rest upon a spiritual solution. And the rest, other protective factors are those that are not too new to us in our faith. Prayer, ask God each morning to keep you free from the addiction, compulsion, or unhealthy attachments. Connect with others in fellowship and in your church community. Reach out to others in your faith community or recovery community. Thank God for keeping you sober, clean, abstinent, free each day before bed, and practice some gratitude. Those are things that can keep us out of the temptation or the allure of these idols, such as gambling, and really moving towards Jesus. Well, I'm grateful for what you're doing. I've heard really wonderful things about your organization. Best way to go, I'm assuming, to connect is just the website, or how can people connect with you? Yeah, CatholicInRecovery.com. We have virtual Catholic in Recovery meetings available every day. That's there awesome. are in-person Catholic and Recovery meetings around North, North America and uh, a slew of resources available for individuals and families impacted by addiction. And maybe you're just hearing this conversation. Maybe God wants you to hear it. Please check them out. Scott, keep up your good work. We'll have to have you in studio next time you're around, okay? I'd love to, to have a chance to talk with you. I would love that. Thank yeah. you. That's Scott Weeman, founder of Catholic and Recovery. Check him out, Catholic and Recovery. Dot com. When we come back, uh, Peter Atkinson joins me. Guess how many people are off today? <laughs> the uh, Super Bowl flu seems to have hit a lot of Americans. I'll fill you in. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the national anthem. Should we have only one national anthem or more? You know, there's uh, something called the black anthem that's out there, and there was some other music that was played. And then, of course, we'll talk Super Bowl commercials and wait to hear how high one of the Super Bowl tickets actually sold for. I was shocked when I saw this. I thought the number was around 12000 They ranged from about, oh, I think the number was $5,500. One ticket I saw, $45,000. Would you spend $45,000 to go to the Super Bowl? I guess if you have it, I guess everything's relative, right? i got to take a short pause, but we will be back with more right after this. Stay with us. All the issues, all the topics, one place. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Hey, looking for a new job? How about one that offers opportunities for spiritual, social, and charitable growth? Our sponsor, Catholic Order of Foresters, is hiring new agents today. Visit relevantradio.com slash Forrester. An Illinois Life Insurance Society, not available in all states. Now, Super Bowl is behind us. But boy, there's a lot to talk about, isn't there? It's great to be with you. Are you uh, at work right now? Maybe tuned in? Did you call out early? I saw a uh, an interesting stat, and I, I never thought about taking off after Super Bowl Sunday, but last night I did. <laughs> I went, I, I, I drove about two and a half hours away. My wife and I went and uh, saw friends. And every year, this guy, he's a... a, a he hosts a Super Bowl party, and a bunch of our friends um, get together. And, of course, the game went into OT, and I still had to drive home the next day because I had to be here in studio. So 
you know, it was a one o'clock a.m. bedtime, and I was still all amped up and wide awake, you know, for the coffee from the ride home. But about 16 million workers supposedly came down with the Super Bowl flu today. 14.5 million adults have admitted to lying about being sick today. And uh, of those employees, 6 million will actually risk a workplace penalty for their absence. So if you take off, you're fired. Um, calling out today. I don't feel so good. 10 million people have already requested the day off. Made me think, well, maybe next year I should put in. <laughs> I, I don't need to take off. It was a fun game. A lot of people enjoyed the the, the music. They enjoyed the halftime show. They enjoyed uh, the commercials and much more. So um, I invited Peter Atkinson today, who directs the Merry Beggars, to stop by in the studio. And we're going to talk about it all. You're more than welcome to join us, too. You can Dial in at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Peter, good to have you in studio. Always good to be here, Drew. When I was uh, looking at the numbers, I went back to 1967. One 32nd spot, and this is a lot of money in 1967, cost $37,500, okay? Our game cost of her 30-second commercial you know, yesterday, $7 million. And I don't know what it was the year before, whether it was $6 million or $5 million. I mean, every year it goes up. And I know that's because there's a there's a lot of a lot of eyes on it. Um, you know, give me your take on the cost of these Super Bowl commercials. Do you think they're worth it? And what were some of the ones that really stood out to you? Well, yeah, that's that's honestly one of my favorite things about the, about the Super Bowl game is just the media spectacle of it. And... Uh, you know, lest lest our listeners think that it's just due to inflation, that if you had thirty seven thousand dollars back in nineteen sixty seven, you'd have seven million dollars now. That's not actually the the whole story. It's about um, adjusted for inflation. Nineteen sixty seven ad would cost about two hundred thousand dollars. Now the cost is seven million dollars. Okay. So, what explains that exorbitant, you know, skyrocketing price? Is it just that corporations have a lot more money? Uh, it's not quite. Part of it is. This is one of the few media events during the year where you have, you know, 100 million, 150 million eyeballs all on the same place. I mean, if you think back to 1967, how many television networks were there? Right. You know, five, six, something like that. You had five, six options. Now you have not only platforms like Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Hulu, YouTube, so on and so forth, but you have on those platforms tens of thousands of channels. You have almost infinite choices. So the world of advertising has gone from a megaphone to a tiny little, uh, you know, a, a, a million tiny little ads that are all uniquely situated to their different platforms. So the fragmentation of media has made the Super Bowl ads one of the only touchstones in our culture where the country as a nation really watches the same thing. Unparalleled reach. Right, I mean, you think, Unbelievable, you, yeah. you think about how many eyes are on an event like that, and I know that during the the playoffs, um, you know, Kelsey, uh, uh, Travis Kelsey, along with um, yes. Taylor Swift, right? I mean, they had record viewing for for the championship games. You know, it's like, and I'm thinking. 
that's got to be the Taylor Swift effect on football. It's crazy. Which again, impact. Which again go- speaks to the fact that football is not about football. It's about media around football. Yep. When they measured Taylor Swift's effect on football, uh, it resulted in a 53% increase of female viewership ages so 12 to wild. 17. When you think about a 14-year-old girl, 16-year-old girl, you're not thinking, man, they they really love throwing <laughs> that old pigskin around, yeah, right? right. But Taylor Swift gets them to watch NFL. And it's estimated that she increased the brand value of NFL by 100 $122 million. I don't know about you, Drew, but there is nothing that I do during my day that can result in a $122 million brand value. I, I don't know what it is about her. It's, it's you know, we, we're, I'm going to do a show probably later in the week. There's a lot of talk about, you know, is there an occultic link and this whole type of thing? She's a she's a she's a phenom. I mean, she's just absolutely amazing. Made over a billion dollars on her last tour. Everywhere she goes, whatever she endorses, uh, turns to gold. Uh, even the elections. I, I know mm-hmm. that the Biden administration <laughs> is delighted that she's going to tell people to go out and register to vote and probably vote for Joe Biden. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it, again, we're we're taking a look. At, can can they monetize that twenty percent? In, in sponsorship? I mean, what do you, what do you see with, with her? Well, I think, I mean, it, I think it just goes to the fact that we, our culture is incredibly moved by celebrities. So as our culture starts, uh, you know, fragmenting more and more, yeah. you can see the companies and corporations reaching for the things that people are still united around. Taylor Swift is one of those celebrities making self-deprecating jokes, comedy, nostalgia, all of the ads across the Super Bowl were basically just trying, companies trying to figure yeah. out how not to get canceled, how not to touch a third rail, and yep. be, you know, sweet and, and non-offensive. Well, we'll take a few calls. If you want to join us, feel free to dial in. It's 888-914-9149. Taylor Swift was one aspect of the conversation. You've got Usher and the Halftime Show. you got a lot of other celebs. you got some great commercials. There was so much surrounding us. Even the president choosing not to take advantage of what was a mega audience for his platform. It's pretty amazing stuff. To get in, 888-914-9149, joined today by uh, Peter Atkinson. And Peter, let's go to Danbury, Connecticut. Mike's got a question for you. Mike, good afternoon. You're on the air. Hi, uh, how you doing? Well, I had a question. Uh, hey, Mike, can you do me a favor know, and get off speaker for just a second uh, so we can hear you? Your oh, signal's kind of really weak. Sure. Is that better? A little bit. Maybe, Maggie, can you can bump his audio for me? Uh, go ahead, Mike. Yeah, um, I was calling uh, because, uh, you know, it seemed that the whole country tunes into this and, you know, people are packing in these stadiums, which are kind of like cathedrals. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, is it possible that this is uh, one of the most extreme cases of idol worship we have in modern day? All right, it's a great point. Hey, thank you, Mike. I'm going to let Peter respond. We'll both give you our thoughts. Yeah, I would say human, short answer, yes. Um, human beings are religious creatures. If we don't worship uh, a God, whether it's a true God or a false God explicitly, we will end up worshiping something. Human beings are also social creatures. We need social experiences. And a lot of religious experiences that people have from the Aztecs to um, to Mormonism in Utah to you know, you name whatever religion you want. So much of it is based around social experiences that people have together. As our society becomes increasingly secular, 
And as our society starts moving away from traditional beliefs, there have been studies that show that uh, people relate to brands like Apple and Nike the same way that older generations would relate to religious denominations. So people are actually, this is not, you know, conspiracy theory. This is actual psychological mapping. People relate to large name brands the same way that they would relate to religious authorities. You think about, you know, how many times in older generations would you have a question? You would go ask a priest. How many times uh, has that been replaced by going to ask Google or as we now do it, you know, go ask AI. So I think that's absolutely true. Uh, Sporting events and live music concerts are two of the of the few remaining events where people can have group experiences together that can move them towards a certain type of ecstasy. And normally that would be a religious experience in older societies. I think today it's almost exclusively replaced, if, if you're not religious, by live music concerts and by sporting events. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, in my opinion, one of the most, I don't know, watched and celebrated events in, in American sports. It's also communal. There's some good things. Families get together. Yep. Friends get together. Uh, there's competition. There's entertainment. I think it's a great day. I, I think from a faith perspective, um, Idol worship is something that takes us away from from God and 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 puts that in place of of God. Um, so I, I guess the questions you got to ask yourself are this: Does uh, the enjoyment of the Super Bowl lead me to neglect my faith or my family or my responsibilities? Well, and, and on that point, if you look at any traditional idea of education, yep. it always included sport. Yep. You know, the older societies, you think about Victorian England, they always thought of sport and athleticism as a way to train the thumos, is the Greek word for it, courage, your yep. your your ability to go into danger, right? You learn that by, you know, facing Jimmy, the 200-pound guy who's going <laughs> to plow you down even though you're both in middle school, right? You Hilarious. learn courage, you bring that to the rest of your life. Yeah. So sport and athleticism is a good thing. It's a beautiful yeah. thing, but you know when it becomes uh, idol worship, so to speak. It's not great. You know, ultimately, I, I think it depends on your intentions and your actions. I love Super Bowl, and yet God, I'm not worshiping the Super Bowl. There's one true God, right? So, I think it really depends. But I think a lot of people do. Uh, you know, I think as you pointed out, as our caller pointed out, I think it's great. These stadiums have become cathedrals. You know, on on Sunday during football season. How many people don't go to church because they don't want to miss their mm-hmm. their favorite football team play? That becomes, you know, a, I think a form of, of uh, you know, uh, idol worship, if you will. We're called to keep holy the Sabbath, so you got to take a look at it that way. But yeah, I, I'd never like to broad brush. I don't think you can say it's it's one way or the other. It's it's a combination really of both. Let me take a quick break, Peter. When we come back, I want your picks on commercials. I uh, want your 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 sense on the Super Bowl show. We'll talk a lot more. You can join us too if you want to get in at triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. Kind of a post op right now on Super Bowl Sunday and all that went down. Stay with me. Our conversation continues with more right after this. The Drew Mariani Show. Connected. Connected. Relevant Radio. Hey, big thanks to network sponsor, the University of Dallas, a Catholic university for independent thinkers. Hurry now to compete for five full tuition scholarships at UD, a leading Catholic university. Apply by the February 14th deadline. Go to relevantradio.com slash udallas. That's relevantradio.com slash udallas. The Chaplet of Divine Mercy, live, coming up. You're listening to The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Yeah, hey, another big... 
thank you to everyone listening as well. I was just talking to Peter about the unbelievable success of the Relevant Radio Pledge Drive. And I, I want to thank everyone for their generosity. This hour in particular was just unbelievable. I mean, you, I, I know you value Relevant, and I'm so grateful uh, for your generosity and your sacrifice. Um, it says how much you value the program, you value the network, and I want you to know I value you. Relevant Radio hit its goal, and believe it or not, we went over goal by about $200,000, which is phenomenal because it gives us just a little more breathing room come next pledge drive. So if we can get a little jump on that, we're going to be here for months to come. If you missed last week, maybe you were on a business trip or you are on vacay or you were away, never too late to get in. Right, it's triple eight. I know. Let me give you the right number: eight seven seven two nine one zero one two three to make a pledge, or just go to online relevantradio.com. I'm sure you'll find a link there, and you can join so many others who said yes to relevant. And, and again, my my deepest gratitude. Very very humbled by your your generosity. If you're just tuning us in, I know we're going to pray the chaplet in about ten, maybe twelve minutes. Peter Atkinson is in here with us. He's been with me many times. I know you're familiar with the Merry Beggars, and we were just talking about. Um, well, about the ads uh, during the break here, and and even AI, we were just you're just mentioning how AI has been used in these these advertisements. So let me throw you um, just kind of a blanket uh, you know opening here for you, if you will. I mean, you had J Lo and a lot of stars in some of these ads at Dunkin's Dunking, and there was Uber Eats and Beyonce and Snapchat and Migration and Dove, and there's a whole litany of people who advertise in these these campaigns. Um, what was one of your favorite that resonated with you? And, and, and fill us in a little bit on this shift now to, uh, to the use of AI in advertisement. So in terms of my favorite, I love Anthony Hopkins. Um, and there was a stock cold brew company that did an ad with Anthony Hopkins. Uh, and he's, you know, giving a very serious monologue to himself in the mirror. And I think Mega, you have the, you have the audio if you want to play it. Sure. To act is to deceive, and to deceive, one must forget oneself. Why? Every metamorphosis is demanding, but to become this beast, well, that requires a little extra kick. Yes. Now, hear me roar! And at this point, he's putting on the massive head of a football mascot, which is a, a large red bird and starting to run <laughs> into the stadium. And that's that's Super Bowl ads at their finest, you know, sort of celebrities with self-deprecating humor. It's so fun to watch. Makes you feel, you know, the only difference between Anthony Hopkins and I, besides a couple hundred million, is, you know, just where we live. We're basically the same person. Peter, I, I didn't see this next ad. It's, it's called He Gets Us. I've been hearing a lot of buzz about it. Let me take a quick call. We'll go to Lakewood, California, because Cecilia wants some input on that one. Cecilia, good afternoon. Hi, good afternoon, Drew and Peter. Longtime listener. Thank you both for everything that you do. Thank you. I, I saw the ad and I had mixed feelings about it. The washing of the feet, a series of unlikely people washing each other's feet. And at the end, it says something like, Jesus doesn't teach hate. Jesus washed feet. It says something along those lines. And I know that there's been a lot of uh, commentary from Christians yeah. specifically. I just wanted to get um, your ideas on it. Thank you so right. much. And Peter, before you go, let me start with Maggie, because I didn't get to see that particular ad. I was reading about it earlier today. Maggie, you saw it? Your I did thoughts? see it. There, a couple of thoughts I had, Cecilia. I'm glad you brought this up. Number one, 
I, I guess I was just surprised even to see the name of Jesus, you know, for how much it costs uh, in a in a production like this um, for a 30-second ad. I was happy to even see the name of Jesus. However, um, you know, Christ washed his disciples' feet. These were people who followed him. These were people who um, loved him and pledged their life to continue on his teaching um, they weren't just like someone random on the street that he came up to and was like, let me wash your feet. Um, so there is part of me that goes, I feel like perhaps our our own, the perception of our messaging is being used against us, um, that, that Christians are now being told who we're supposed to be, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, he gets us, it, it's funny because it gets controversy from both sides. Um, people who are not Christian will start hating on it because the group behind it, you know, is not pro LGBTQ plus it's a evangelical consortium of different funding organizations. So they'll say, well, you're just, you know, you're a Christian hate organization masquerading behind this ad. Whereas, uh, you know, Christian organizations will be like, well, you're watering down the message, you know, so on and so forth. I, uh, to me, when I look at that, I agree with Maggie. It's great to see Jesus's name out there. I think you have to understand the ad as almost pre-evangelism. So it's people who are very, very far away from any sort of faith and who totally. don't, you know, will not hear the name of Jesus on a month-to-month -month basis. Totally. So it's a great way to sort of get the name of Jesus in them. The only problem is in secular culture, acceptance is love. Mm -hmm. So unless you accept and affirm and celebrate whatever choices I make, no matter how crazy or immoral they are, you don't love me. The problem is, is the messaging of the ad tends to be sort of, basically that, right? Yeah. That you are accepted, you are so and so forth, you can let your guard down, but there's a limit to that, right? So, so is it a woke ad? Is it promoting wokeism and the, the LGBT question. community? It, 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 or that's is the it question. saying that, that Jesus no, nobody, accepts everybody? Nobody really knows. Nobody really knows. One of the last pictures, it gives you all these different pictures of people washing feet. And one of the last ones looks like um, a flamboyant gay guy sitting on a park bench in front of the ocean in California and a priest washing his feet. And so that's that's the part where you kind of go, at, and then there's a tagline after yeah. that that says, Jesus didn't teach hate. Ah. And so you go, wait a second, Jesus was killed because he said true things that other people hated. Well, that's the limitation of the ad is that if you, if it, based on the logic, the internal logic of the ad, if you criticize that person or a certain lifestyle or whatnot, that would be hate. And that's where sort of the ad, to my mind, starts to falter a little bit. I think that could be effective as sort of pre-evangelism, like it could set up a conversation, but I think the ad probably smuggles in some premises that undermine its own effectiveness. That's really interesting. I'll have to watch it. Now, was it done with AI? I well, think so. It wasn't. But oh, this really? Is the thing is, uh, <laughs> it, it was it was these at these photographs that were beautifully staged and looked like they were all airbrushed. Totally. But it wasn't actually AI. The problem is, is we now all sort of have a little radar yeah. up. Like, is you know, is this image I'm seeing AI? So anything that looks a little too staged or anyone's skin is too perfect, you know, we start thinking, oh, well, maybe that's AI. Drew, so, what was your favorite? Oh, God, you know, believe it or not, <laughs> I'm mad you asked me that. I kind of like the JLo one with Ben Affleck. Really? Oh, that was great. It was so cheesy. It was so cheesy. She kind of came in on his Super Bowl ad last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was so cheesy, and it's Matt great. Damon was in it, and a bunch of other characters. Was it, it was Duncan just, last year too? I don't know. Or was it, it was a different brand last year? But she's like, we talked about this, you know, because oh they're in this relationship again, you know. So it's just, I don't know. I, I should probably be talking about something more substantive, but. 
but I kind of chuckled when I saw that one. I was like, I thought I that was clever. I really liked the CeraVe ad. I th I thought it was so corny and so <laughs> great. <laughs> and what about Bud? What, what about them trying to kind of rebrand and... Oh, Americana all yeah. over again yeah, with mustaches and horses? Yeah. What do you think about that? I mean, Donald Trump said, I nah, give him a break. They, they made their mistake. Yeah, they I mean, never I, really apologize. The problem I have with Bud Light, they never really ever apologize. You know totally. what? We did mess up. We were wrong on this, America. Well, and I think know, the it, person who made that decision is out of the company. Yeah. So presumably, the stock price, you know, taught them a lesson that no one else could. But do. I, I think it was a financial loss. It was okay. the only reason they reacted that way. But it, has it changed their ideological view? You know, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, do you want to pick it up on, on AI? We'll jump another call. Well, Let's, it's just very yeah. shortly. I, I love uh, looking at the, the ads for the Super Bowl because they're sort of like a cultural weathering of what is happening in our culture. And I think for me, looking at the ads, there were there were two things that sort of stuck out. One is companies are super scared of being boycotted by any political group at this point. Most of the ads stayed very, very, very far away from anything controversial. Dove, the soap company, yeah. they had an ad, I, I think, earlier last year that was a young mom's campaign featuring a transgender mother and then they you know stopped put a hard break on that and their super bowl ad was about you young women's uh, body positivity which is a message everyone can get behind so and then the other thing is uh the other sort of cultural touchstone was uh, artificial intelligence there was uh you know microsoft had the ad for copilot google had an ad for pixel body armor had their whole ad take on artificial intelligence and this is the first instance that we've ever seen artificial intelligence be so mainstream in advertising. I mean, you had you had 150 million mm. people get exposed to the idea that it should be normal for them to pick up a computer and use artificial intelligence to help them accomplish their goals, their dreams, their work. Wow. That is a seismic change in our society, and there's yeah. no going back. Crypto was big last year, wasn't crypto, it? Crypto, two it was years huge. ago. Remember two that? years ago, it's 2022. Really great ads for crypto. FTX, before the uh, founder of that went to jail, oh, yeah, was right. huge, right? We had You had millions of dollars being spent on crypto. That completely flamed out. Then everyone got sort of scared in 2023, downplayed it, and then we've seen AI yeah. come this year. I think AI is here to stay. Yeah, 100%. I definitely think it's here to stay. Mike, do I have time to take five? Let's see. Mark's in Wisconsin. Mark, good afternoon. You are on the air. Hey there. How are you guys doing today? All right. We're hanging in there. Good. Um, my comment was regarding some of the things that were discussed earlier about, uh, like, at one point, Drew, you said something about the stadiums being uh, like cathedrals. Uh, you know, that's one way to put it. Uh, kind of a, uh, that makes, you know, I just don't, I don't see it that way. The NFL has has uh, taken everything to an extreme and all this, all the AI, all the commercialism, all this Taylor Swift stuff has just been, uh, uh, it was really just taken away from what life is supposed to be about yeah. and how we're supposed to live our lives as Catholic men and women. Yeah, I'm with you. And Mark, uh, what I had said, I don't know if you interpreted what I said accurately. I said on Sunday, stadiums are like cathedrals because people, would rather go to the stadium than go to church and keep holy the Sabbath. A lot of people would say, hey, I'm staying home to watch my football game. I, I don't want to miss kickoff. I can't go to Mass today. So we see so often God usurped for for sports in, in our culture today. And the question was raised, you know, has the are these sporting events somewhat of uh, idolatry? Well I think the other the other point that um that you both touch upon is in our society with mass media, more and more money is being funneled to fewer and fewer things. So, you know, yeah. politics is now national and sports are now, you know, the Super Bowl.
Peter, thanks. We only scratched the surface. So much more to talk about. If people want to check you out, best way to do it. TheSaintsPodcast.com, or you can find The Saints and the Merry Beggars on Relevant Radio on the Relevant Radio app. How's it doing? Doing great. All right. Check it out. Who's the saint this week? Valentine's. Happy Valentine's week, everyone. That's great. Check it out. Download it. Enjoy it. The Chapel of Divine Mercy is straight ahead.